Hello, Redlow friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Hello Redlow podcast. I'm your host, Terry Mullen, and I am so happy you're here. If you're new here, welcome. Redlow is older spelled backwards. I am older, and perhaps you are too. And I show up here each week trying to help each one of us step forward with our lives by navigating these life transitions, overcoming hard things, and rediscovering who we are now in this season of life. I have a great episode today, so sit back, listen in, and let's keep stepping forward. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Hello Redlow podcast. I'm your host, Terry Mullen, and I am so excited about my guest today. My friend Katie Cox is here, and you're just going to be blessed by who she is and her journey as a woman and the things that she's been through and how she's overcome a lot in her life and learn some really great things that can bless all of you and help you step forward with your life. Katie is passionate about teaching, training, coaching, and helping individuals become the best version of themselves. Her transformative journey of personal growth and spiritual development began as a young adult. Katie has celebrated over 32 years of sobriety. Congratulations. She has triumphed over an eating disorder and mental illness diagnosis. And she has confronted numerous challenges as a single mother raising children with similar struggles. Through navigating many life adversities, healing from toxic relationships and divorces, and grieving the devastating loss of her son from a fatal overdose, Katie has cultivated remarkable resilience, strength, and tenacity. Her personal triumphs have shaped her into an extraordinary individual, and you're going to hear that, and she inspires and empowers others. Today, Katie serves as a quality of life and success coach. With her extensive knowledge, personal experiences, and a wide range of tools, she empowers women in addiction recovery to create extraordinary lives with a focus on optimal health and well-being. Katie's mission is to help women thrive in recovery and live their very best life. Katie is also a super slow personal trainer, and we're going to talk about that. I'm fascinated by that. And she's an inspirational speaker. She co-hosts a podcast called Forever Spiraling Up, where she shares her insights and experiences to inspire others on their journeys of personal growth and spiritual development. Katie is forever spiraling up. So without further ado, please welcome my friend, Katie Cox. Hello, Katie. Hi, how are you, Terry? I'm great. Thank you. You have so much in your background, and I'm just so excited that you're here. Um, it helps that you have your own podcast, so you kind of know and feel very comfortable, I think, probably just talking here, right? Yes. And sharing a little bit about who you are. Yeah. But um, first and foremost, before we dive into this, tell me what a super slow personal trainer is. <laughs> so super slow is a method of of weight training. It's a high intensity weight training and basically it's slow motion training. So it's a protocol where you're using machines, they're modified machines. So there's a constant load on your muscles and you are doing a 10 second positive and 10 second negative repetition, speed of repetition, one set on each exercise until you hit what's called momentary muscular failure. That's where you can't move the weight anymore. And that happens within about two minutes. So it's a very intense workout and it's, you're done a full body workout in about 20 to 25 minutes. And you only have to work out once or twice a week to get the benefits. So it's really, um, it's a great, I started doing this probably, I'm thinking almost eight years ago. And I 
decided once I, I you know, well, we'll get into my coaching and all that. Yeah. Sort of but I was doing nutritional coaching at the time. And I thought, oh, this fitness is great with it. So I became a certified super slow trainer. And then those two, um, I was doing that. And then I was like, well, it's more than just the physical, it's body, mind, and spirit. So then I developed a coaching program and we can talk more about all that. But yeah, so it's a great, it's very safe, efficient, and effective way of exercise. So especially as we age, if we're not... um, our muscle will atrophy. So if it's just part of the aging process. So if we're not doing some sort of weight training as we age, you know, we're going to be losing muscle. And so it's really important. I mean, especially as women, you know, we can break our hips if we fall and that sort of thing. Men too, but women seem to um, have some more. As a matter of fact, this whole protocol was developed by Ken Hutchins, who was doing a study on osteoporosis. And what he found is that, you know, the women, when they were using the protocol, um, it was strengthening and it's not just for your muscles, but it's strengthening your bones. It's your ligaments. It's great for your heart. It's just a full body overall exercise. And, uh, that's where the protocol began. So it's, it's great. I, I love it. It's really, um, efficient, effective and safe. And especially for those who are older, my oldest client is 89 years old. Wow. Yes, I know. I know, but I've also had my daughter doing it when she was in her early twenties or mid twenties. So yeah. So it's, wow. it's yeah. Anyone, well, I any- wish we, I wish we lived closer. Cause I'd help you help me. But so when we're off camera, you're going to have to help me through this. Cause I I'm super intrigued with that. I believe in kind of that resistance training. And so just yeah. the way you were explaining it yeah. um, could probably really help me too. So really yeah. fascinating. I, that just kind of jumped out. I was just like, sure. what is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool. Well, I'm going to let you just kind of share a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, I'm really intrigued by your story. And obviously with your bio that I read, I mean, there's a lot of depth to you. You've been through a lot in your life. And for me, part of, you know, my journey when I wrote my book really is just sharing my story too, and just the transition of overcoming hard things. And so I'm really intrigued um, with women who've had to overcome a lot, kind of start again midlife and that journey. So you have a lot of wisdom and a lot of things you can share. And I would just love for you just to kind of dive in um, and tell a little bit about your journey and to arrive at where you are now as a coach and blessing and helping other women, if you don't mind. Sure. No. So it's interesting, Terry, because I actually, I got sober initially in 1989 and it's, um, and, and the longer that I've been on this journey of recovery, the longer my story gets. And so Mm -hmm. it's not like it's just a one and done. It's like, I feel like I have a story of hope, you know, because as my life has grown and as I have grown and evolved, on this journey of recovery, there's just been constant uh, trials and tribulations along the path, you know, and I look at them today as they're all opportunities for my own personal growth and spiritual development. And, uh, but to back up a little bit, I actually in high school is when I first started using alcohol and marijuana primarily. And uh, it was my, well, probably my sophomore year in high school when, you know, along with the getting high, smoking the pot, we would start eating. I, we call them the munchies, you know, and we're eating late night and that sort of thing. And I started to gain weight. And if I even back up earlier in eighth grade, when I started to develop as, you know, uh, as young girls, we, you know, start to go through the adolescent stages. And as I was developing, I had a lot of, I will call it, um, 
I had just a misperception of my body. I didn't like my body and mm-hmm. I thought it was fat. And that's kind of where a lot of my distorted image came from, you know, and later on, I learned that it's more than just a distorted body image, but that, that was the beginnings of it. And so I started dieting when I was in eighth grade. And then, like I said, by the time I was a freshman in high school, that's when I started dabbling with alcohol and pot and I would start eating more. And then I started gaining weight and I didn't like that. And so I'm thinking it was probably my sophomore year in high school when I started with bulimia. So that's binging and purging. And that continued. And then my alcohol and drug use continued. So by the time I was a senior in high school, you know, I had pretty much a full-blown eating disorder and, um, and I was drinking and using alcohol and, or pot, you know, on a daily basis. And, and, you know, I was still during those high school years, I was very involved in, in school and I was on student council and I did well in school. I was friends with a lot of different people. Um, you know, I kind of camouflaged and fit in with everybody. I tend to be a people pleaser, wanting people to like me and getting that outside validation. And so, you know, I was friends with the burnouts and the jocks and the preps and whoever it was, you know, I just, I liked people. I was social and that kind of thing. Um, I went off to college and it was there that I really, that one year being away at school, uh, that I realized like I have an, I've got a problem with my eating disorder Mm. and I'll back up a little bit. Um, the first time that, um, I really had some suicidal thinking was on, um, Valentine's Day, my senior year in high school. And it was at that point that I, I just was very depressed. And I shared with a friend and she's like, you have to talk to your parents about this. So I did, I wrote my dad a note and we went out and we talked and, you know, he, at that time, Karen Carpenter had just died. She had anorexia and yeah. So this was, you know, early eighties and, um, you know, I shared with him that I'm smoking pot and I'm drinking, but the eating disorder thing, I think just really scared him. And so he wanted to get me some help. And so, he, you know, I, I was raised Catholic. And so they sent me to a nun (laughs) who really knew nothing about addiction or eating disorders or anything, especially at that day and age, you know, and it, it was a start, but it didn't really help much. And then I had gone off to, you know, college and things worsened. And so I decided not to go back to school my sophomore year in college and to get help for the eating disorder. So that was the first time that I addressed the eating disorder, so to speak. During that period, we did not, while I was in therapy, I did not address any of the drinking or drugging, you know, that was kind of just not addressed. And, um, and my friends all then went back to school and I got into a relationship and, um, I was with somebody who, you know, within four, well, within four years we were married and divorced, you know? So, and that was at 23, that was when I got divorced. And, um, so I, these patterns kind of repeated themselves over life. The eating disorder was, pretty much resolved. Although I will say once I got sober, which was in, um, 1989, which was like a year after the divorce, um, 
I'm kind of jumping around here, but I hope you're kind of following. I'm me. following. I'm following you. I, okay, I relate a lot because I have an eating disorder right around that same time. So okay. I'm really tracking with you. This is okay. This is great yeah. information. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so I'll tell you what happened though. It was kind of interesting. Um, I, after the divorce, I was invited to attend this retreat at the church that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And my dad used to be a part of this, um, group. It was called Christ renews his parish. And again, like in the Catholic faith, it was, you know, the way that it was, you didn't really have a personal relationship with Jesus, so to speak, you know, it was more just like you went to church and there was God and that kind of thing. But this whole program was a spiritual renewal program. And it was the first time that I really started to realize like I wasn't a bad person, you know, like I was a good person and that I was loved and that I am loved and I am forgiven. And I started this personal relationship with Jesus. And I actually became a part of this group because then what we would do is we'd put on these retreats every Mm -hmm. six months. And so I was living this double life though, because it was like, I would be there, we would be doing shared prayer, reading scripture, this sort of thing. And then I would leave there and I would go out. And once I would start drinking and using the drugs, and then I'm living this other, so it was like having two lives, you know, and that went on for a year. And then, and I remember just looking at the spiritual directors of of the, the women that were guiding us. And I was like, I want what they have. I couldn't understand like what was wrong with me. So a year later, when I hit my bottom, um, and that night, I won't spend a whole lot of time on it, but basically what happened for anybody who's listening, who may have an addiction issue and not really know, what happened was I was making all these promises where I, I wanted to like not drink and I wanted to not get high and I was going to a concert and I wasn't going to drive. And next thing you know, I'm in my car driving to the concert. I got people smoking pot in my car and we stop and we buy beer at the store and they're drinking in my car. Every promise that I made, I couldn't keep that night. Mm. It was like, I realized that I, I was not able to follow through with what I was saying. And so I went back to this therapist and I actually left out a little piece before that. What happened was um, I got into, after my marriage, after the divorce, uh, while I was still part of this spiritual renewal group, um, I got into another relationship and it was a toxic relationship and it was based on drinking, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, so again, it was this living two lives, you know, and guilty about the life that I was living, knowing that, you know, it was just, you know, it was a lot of inner conflict and, um, and he ended up, I was living with him. He ended up throwing me out of the house and there was a whole lot of shame and embarrassment and guilt. And, and I got suicidal again. And that's when I didn't want to leave the house and I didn't know where to go or what to do. And I thought, oh, I'm going to call that eating disorder therapist who I'd met several years earlier, you know, before my previous marriage. So that's what I did. And it was her, she is the one who had recommended don't isolate, continue to go out and socialize, but just have one drink and then switch to water or juice or pop or something else. And so that was like my period of controlled drinking, which I kept failing at. I couldn't do it because once I put the alcohol in my body, it was like, I would crave more. So, so that was, 
in the mix too. So finally, after that last, uh, that night in 1989, September, it was September 11th, 1989, the night of the concert. And then I went back to her and I just said, I I can't do this. And so she said, why don't you go for an evaluation, which I did. And that's when I found out that I was an alcoholic and addict and I, I joined this outpatient treatment program. And so that was like the first turning point because then it was like everything I started going to AA and everything that I was learning in AA, I'm like, this is the exact same thing as Christ in his parish, except for it's just a God of your own understanding. So the two of them just dovetailed perfectly. And it was like, now I could make sense of what was going on from the time that I had that kind of first spiritual awakening and kind of began that journey that spiritual journey as an adult, you know, and started this personal relationship with the God of my understanding. And then I was sober. So it was like my life started to change and things went, you know, it it was really things were going well. Um, I ended up getting pregnant. Well, before I got pregnant, I decided to go back to school because my whole life I wanted to be a teacher. So mm-hmm. I I went back to school and um, there was a friend of mine who I had met in treatment and we became very close friends. And he almost became like a part of our family, like my parents and my siblings, you know, because he was around a lot. And, um, and then at one point, our relationship became a romantic relationship and I got pregnant mm-hmm. and that was then I ended up being hospitalized um, because I went into another depression because I thought, oh my gosh, like I was going to get married, but I was having a lot of doubts and I was already married once. And at this point I was, you know, 25 years old and I thought, I, I don't know if this is what I want. So anyway, um, I ended up becoming uh, not not getting married to him and becoming a single parent and raising my son. And we had a parenting agreement. And um, when my son was three, again, my story is really long and I'm kind of spending a lot of time back here when a lot's transpired since then. But when my son was three, my dad passed away and uh, he had cancer and it was a rapid cancer. And it was during that time then that my son's father and I, we just happened to get back together. Not we get we were talking about um parenting and insurance and stuff like that. And and we just kind of missed our friendship, you know. So we started dating again. And within six months we got married. And then I got pregnant on our <laughs> on our wedding night. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so it was yeah, fertile myrtle. It was like, <laughs> you know <laughs> And, um, and then two years after that, I got pregnant with my next daughter and, but we had, we had still some of the same issues that we had, you know, prior to, you know, when my son, when I got pregnant with my son and, um, so we were together for, uh, seven years Mm -hmm. and married, I should say we were married for seven years. And, um, it was then that, um, it was in 2000 and I was over 10 years sober and I um, ended up going to, it was a wedding in the Virgin Islands Mm -hmm. and he was at home with the kids and I was there and um, I relapsed. It Mm -hmm. was, um, things with my son were very hard and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on because that could be a whole 
episode within itself. Yeah. Yeah. But um, my son from 18 months, he had the terrible twos early Mm -hmm. when he was 12, he still had the terrible twos and his, and then he passed at age 27 from an overdose and his whole life was hard from conception to death. Um, and I mean, he's, he, he had a heart of gold. He was just a beautiful soul and Mm. was my greatest teacher. And I feel so blessed and fortunate that he was placed in my care because, um, he had a lot of just, you know, a lot of special needs and mm-hmm. um, emotionally and mentally. And uh, yeah, so, and, and actually that is the, the dynamics, you know, whether there's a genetic component to this, you know, yeah. likely yeah. is, but there's also, um, you know, aside from genetics, there's environmental factors and yeah. I just believe a lot of this stuff is in our DNA and gets passed down generation after generation. And, you know, it's all opportunities for our own personal growth and healing and uh, part of our soul's journey, you know? So I can see how he was placed in, in my, in my life for a a definite reason. I wouldn't be who I am today without him, you know? Mm. Um, But it was really very hard on on marriage, on our family, everything. And, um, how long ago was that, Katie? Because I know, I know you. I've seen you post picture of him. Mean, just a darling young man. So, how long ago was that that he passed away? Four and a half years. So wow. that was July of 2019, and it oh, was just, right before COVID. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Th- wow. Thank God, actually, honestly, you know, and you know what, Terry? I mean, like, I miss him so much, but yeah. I am so grateful that he's at where he's at right now yeah. because this life was really very hard for him and. Mm-hmm he tried for so many years to get sober and, and for 10 years, you know, he had a heroin addiction and it was like, he would go through detox and he would get sober and I could just see this light in him. And I was just, it would be so exciting. And then he would relapse and he never worked the steps of the program long enough to, to have this transformation that happens in recovery. And, you know, it's, it's a spiritual program, the 12 step recovery. I don't know how familiar you are with them, but you know, it, they're basically tools for living a spiritual program right. and, um, or a spiritual life. And, right. and he just never was able to get that aspect of it. And mm-hmm. so, um, it was just a lot of, you know, struggle. He was homeless the last two years of his life. And, mm, and it, wow. was just, it was, it was hard. Um, but again, there was just so much love, so much love. And, but it was, uh, it was hard on our relationship, on our marriage too. Yeah. So at that point, when I, you know, went to, um, I think it was St. John and St. Thomas for this wedding, um, I can see in hindsight, the, they call it relapse progression, you know, that mm. there's a, a progression that happens before you actually pick up the drink, you know? Mm. And, and so when, when I look back, I can see, um, where that was part of, of it. Although I was still going to meetings, but mm-hmm. two, I have had many, um, mental illness diagnoses myself, you know, just, uh, depression, anxiety, ADD. Mm-hmm. Uh, bipolar adjustment disorder. I've had so many. And, you know, and part of my story and my journey is that like today, I don't even take pharmaceutical medications, you know, and that's really uncommon. I think at 
to, to have the history <laughs> that I've had, you know, and it's, 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 I have found alternative ways, you know, again, body, mind, and spirit, yep. nutrition and detoxifying yep. body and, and, you know, using meditation and fitness and so many other tools in my kit, other healing modalities. Yeah. Um, and there's so many, um, which again, I won't get into all of that now, but that's really where I have been able to transform my life and overcome a lot of these things and heal. You know, honestly, I feel heal from some of these things. And that's why I I love helping other mm. women in recovery because I see so many women still living, I'll call it a status quo life. You yeah. know, they put down the alcohol and the drugs, but they're still binging on sugar or, yeah. or food addiction or smoking or, you know, yeah. spending or whatever. Yeah. There's so many ways to escape. And even for yeah. me, busyness, I realized right. during the pandemic, one of my things was after my son passed, I was building my coaching business and yeah. I was going, 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 going. And then, um, you know, I'm fast forwarding, I'm time, time jumping here, but yeah, no, that's good. It's good. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I realized that I really had to slow down the last couple of years to yeah. really heal and grieve and, yeah. um, you know, just kind of just be, you know, yeah. and do so much. And this past year is really, I'm trying to, you know, refocus and start creating another new vision for my future because I'm at that state where I need to, you know, kind of start moving forward again, you yeah. know, because it was kind of some setbacks there. Yeah. One of the things I just want to touch on, I know we're not going to dive into it too much, but it's just super intriguing. Cause I don't know if you know, Katie Jolly in our group as well, but she similar, like I find it so fascinating when there's been some kind of an addiction or mental illness in, and you know, the brain health issues. Yes that really just going clean from all of it, like, it's almost like it triggers other things. And I know, I mean, I have, I had an eating disorder for many years in my twenties. So I fully, my, throughout my whole twenties, I understand, um, or late teens, early twenties, twenties. Anyway, um, I understand that they say you can kind of just, it just becomes like one, you can kind of cross addiction. Right. So, um, it's just fascinating. And you're the second person hearing this in real depth as to, you know, even this over counter stuff, it all just kind of triggers everything and certain medications kind of trigger other things and to get healthy is just going clean. So that's yeah. super fascinating. Yeah. Just super, super fascinating. Um, and the other thing I just wanted to touch on that, I mean, you really made me tear up and I know we're not gonna spend time on this with your son, but just your love and your compassion to help other people from a place of embracing who they are, you were allow him, you allowed him to be who he was. Yeah. And you loved him enough to let him go and to feel like, I feel your peace and your joy. It literally almost chokes me up as I'm talking to you about it. It's yeah. really powerful, Katie. Like I think as a coach that has to come through with you, that you can love people enough and yet speak truth to them and help them get to where they need to be. Yeah. It's just, it's, so anyway. Yeah, no. And, and that's, it's interesting too. And as you know, I mean, working, I say working, you know, family members, you know, I mean, that's been a whole nother thing. I also go to Families Anonymous and I also go to Al-Anon and those are more about relationships with people who you love, who are active in addiction or whose lives have been affected by addiction, you know? So that's really, the, even though I still go to AA, like my, 
I don't crave alcohol or drugs or anything. My, my whole thing in recent years is really navigating these relationships with loved ones mm. and even friends in recovery who I care about who yet I'm powerless. You, you're powerless yeah. over people and places and things and situate everybody basically other than yourself. Right. So with my children, it's always been this thing, you know, when they're young, trying to, you know, you're responsible for them. So right. trying to get them the help that they need and to get them, you know, the treatment that they need. And when they're young, if their treatment is recovery because they've got addictions, well, then it's driving them to the day by day club for a 10 o'clock young people's meeting on a school night. You know what I mean? And right. so it's a really alternative way of, I shouldn't say alternative, but it's not your normal parenting thing, you right. know? But once they were adults, 18, then it was kind of like, okay, you know, I'm not responsible for you anymore yet. I love you and I'm still here. And I, it's the wanting to help them knowing that there's a way out, but, but knowing that they're on their own journey, you know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. so it's like loving and accepting them where they're at, but always encouraging them, you know, yeah. to, to get the help and to be there to support them. There's a fine line, you know, between yeah. enabling and helping. And that's what I love. There's this wonderful reading we read in Families Anonymous. It's called Helping, you know, but it's like, um, we can't do it for them. You know, all we can right. do is love them where they're at. And, um, it's really this whole thing around boundaries. They're really, um, they have to be flexible. You know, there are no hard lines because mm. especially like with my son for six years, I knew that if he couldn't stay sober, that the possibility that he would die would was there. And then the last two years of his life, I knew it was likely because he was already overdosing and, you know, with Narcan and being revived and that kind of thing. It was like, it's just a matter of time that he's going to be alone where somebody's not going to be there to, to save him, you know? And, um, and, and so it was like, for that, I needed to allow myself in each given situation if he was asking for food or if he was asking for a ride or if he was asking for money, it wasn't just a hard, no, I'm not giving yeah. you anything. It was like, okay, where are we at in this? How toxic is it if I'm going to engage with him? You know, a lot of my stuff is about detoxifying your life, you know, not just food detoxification, yeah. but what you see, what you hear, how you engage with your environment and people in your environment and that sort of thing. So it was like, I, it was always kind of this putting the feelers out to see, you know, if I get too involved here, how is it going to, cause I can't go down with you kind of like putting your own yeah. oxygen mask on first. Yeah. You know? And I, it was just such a blessing because the last two years and the last year, especially we were able to have every holiday together between oh, Christmas wow. and New Year's. He was, he stayed with me at the time. Um, another piece of my story that I haven't talked about yet was I, I did get married yet again for the third time, which ended in divorce um, right after the pandemic. But at that time I was married and um my son was homeless and he wanted, uh, he's like, I don't have anywhere to go for Christmas, you know? So we talked about it and we decided that he could stay with us, but we were both on the production team at church, which meant rehearsals every night. And we said, you have to come to church with us and you can't be in the house without us. You know, if yeah. we're not home, you can't be there. 
And Terry, it was wonderful. I mean, he came and he was involved with us at church and helping wow. out. And it was just so beautiful, you know, and wow. it was just, I just savor those. And it was like Mother's Day. He came out to church with me just to, to spend, and it was our last Mother's Day together. It was perfect. And so wow. every single ho- Thanksgiving, it was like every single holiday that last year of his life was just beautiful. It, it was just wow. perfect, you know? And so I just, I hang on to those those mm-hmm. memories. And I'm so grateful for those. Um, but at the same time, I know that his journey is his journey and yeah. my journey is my journey and everybody has their own journey and yeah. everybody has their own God and their journey is between them and their creator. And I can't interfere with it. I can just love and be the example, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you're yeah. one of the first people I've ever talked to. I'm just captivated. I, I, I That's beautiful sharing. You're one of the first people I've ever talked to about having boundaries fluid like that. Because in the end, I mean, you were able to have like boundaries within boundaries, but you were able to be fluid to love, but give parameters. Like I, I, I've never heard anybody say it that way. And in the end, it was a gift. Like it was really a gift, Katie. Like I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, Wow. Cause usually people say there's this hard, like, no, you know, you don't give an addict, you don't do this, you don't do that. But to hear you have like this flexibility, I think is super cool. I think it's really empowering. And I think that would, is probably just a real gift in your coaching, how you help people, because that's, that gives, that takes away the shame of people that lets them be a human. Yes. Well, and this is, so this is what like I, I share with the people who I work with, you know, I say, listen, where you are, you know, I believe, I believe that we're all creations of God and we're all perfect total and complete in God's eyes, you know, yet we live in this three-dimensional world where there, you know, things are what they are and we want to improve. We want to be better. We want to grow and evolve. And that's natural, you know, it's like, we need to love and accept ourselves exactly where we are and, and where we're at yet we can strive to improve and, and, and it, it, no shame. So right. it's a few steps forward, a few steps back. And that's where this whole forever spiraling up my podcast, ah. because it's always, you know, it's not, you know, when you're a spiral comes back a little bit, you know, it goes yeah. up, it comes back a little bit. And so it's not like the straight line up, it's a little bit forward, a little bit back. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, like, and even when we're in the dark night of the soul or in those periods of growth, when we're outside of our comfort zone and it feels so icky and yucky. And it's like, we're don't like how we feel and that sort of thing. It's like, that's where the growth takes place. And it's even there that if we can have the self-compassion and love ourselves and just know that this is part of our opportunity for growth. It's not going to stay this way. Nothing ever does. Everything is always changing. This too shall pass, you know, and this is, uh, it's, it's happening for us, not to us. And, and we will learn from this situation, whatever it is, you know, I, I like to believe that everything is in divine order, that there is Mm. a plan that I don't, I most often don't understand, um, but I can have a vision and I can have my goals and I can have what I'm working toward, yet it's not always going to go that way. We have to readjust along the way. And my path has been very jagged. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> you know? But it's <laughs> right? but it's kind of like, like I said, I feel like, it, you know, when even like this last, um, after this last uh, 
I don't want to say a failed marriage, but it was a failed marriage. I thought yeah. it was going to be for the rest of my life. I really mm. did. But even in this, I can see, wow. I And there, like I said, the last few years, there's just been so much reflection and healing that's taken place and a lot yeah. of introspection and and inner work, you know, but what I realized, because it's like, how did I get with all this years of personal development? How did I find myself in this situation, you know, but it's like peeling the layers off an onion, you know, and there's yep. four issues. And I realize it's more stuff around the codependency, not listening to not seeing those or seeing those red flags, but overlooking them because there was other things that looked okay and better and being excited by those things and minimizing, you know, so not being completely true to myself, my authentic yeah. self, you know, but again, there was so many wonderful things that happened in that marriage mm -hmm. uh, where again, like that's when I was able to really like leave my nine to five job so that I yeah. could my coaching career. And, uh, you know, that had been a lifetime dream for, you know, 30 years. And so to actually do that, that yeah. wouldn't have happened if I wasn't in that situation. And the travel, I got to travel all over the world and do wow. so many beautiful things. I got to fly an airplane. I got to become scuba certified, things that were on my bucket list that I didn't have opportunities before because I was always a single mom and always yeah. having these kids with so even though it was short-lived and I thought it was going to be the rest of my life, I can see that it, there was some very unhealthy dynamics. It became very toxic during mm -hmm. the pandemic. And um, and I could see God did for me what I could not do for myself. You know, the mm -hmm. divorce happened in six weeks. It was like, wow, filed for divorce. I didn't know that he filed. The house went on the market and the divorce became final. And I found myself here and it was like, wow. what just happened? And it was then all the grief from the loss of my son came yep. bubbling up and, and, and then the grief from this marriage that I thought it was something other than it was. And so it was just a lot, you know, but again, when, like I said, I've spent a lot of time the last, you know, two and a half years, really doing a lot of inner work and healing. And there have been so many blessings that have come mm. from it. And again, like I know that everything that I've gone through in my life has allowed me to <clears throat> be able to show up for other people who are going yeah. through similar things. Yeah. And, you know, if you haven't walked in the shoes, you don't really know. I mean, you can be sympathetic, but really being empathetic and, and understanding the journey because you've been there and walked that yeah. path. Um, it, it, I can see God uses, you know, he turns our mess into our message, you know, hundred percent things so that we can help other people. And so, you know, I just, I say, you know, I'm open, God, just use me however you want. Show me where to go. Show me what to do. Tell me what to say and to whom, and I'll be there, you know, because it's really, it's, um, I don't want any of this hardship that I've gone through to go to waste. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. I feel like this is what, this is my journey in life. And this is what I'm being called to do, to use this, to, to help other people navigate these, you know, difficult situations. So a hundred percent. And that that's, this is a whole thing. Like I love seeing women take the pain and turn it into a purpose. And mm -hmm. that's really what you've done. You know, you can really connect with women on a lot of different levels and make them feel like they're not alone. 
you can make them feel seen at the end of every podcast. I usually say you are seen, you are heard, you are loved, you are valued and you yes. belong. Yes. And you, you make them feel that way because you've been there and it just, it automatically just removes. It's kind of like just taking a deep breath because they don't feel alone. They don't feel the shame. They're like, somebody else is out there that gets me. Someone else has been there. Someone else has got, you know, got on the other side of that. And yeah. what a gift, Katie. I mean, so with your coaching, like with this, um, what kind of, do you specialize kind of in any particular thing or do you just help women? Obviously, I know you talked about this a little bit earlier with your just really kind of helping women kind of live, you know, in their best life beyond, you know, these hard things, beyond recovery, beyond a failed marriage, beyond probably even grief in some way or another, right? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I feel like it's still being revealed to yeah. who exactly am I working with. When I developed my initial coaching program in 2019, mm -hmm. although I feel like my ideal client is a woman who is in addiction recovery, who's been sober for a number of years, mm -hmm. because getting sober is the first thing, but it's really because like, I call it next level living. That is like mm -hmm. my because it's like, <clears throat> we're always growing and evolving. And so even after being sober, there's other areas of life that are still, you know, we're always, there's always room for growth, you know? Right. And so, um, so although I thought that's who my ideal client was or is, um, I really found myself working with women who, women who are kind of caregivers or taking mm -hmm. care of other people, you know, like taking care of their children with issues or taking care of their aging parents or kind of giving, giving a lot of themselves. I'd like to think women who do too much, you know, they're yeah. and neglecting themselves, you know, because right. it's so easy to, to put everybody else's needs first um, and, and not really and put yourself last on the list, you know, right. um, so, but, so I don't know, I, I can work with really anybody in a lot of these different areas, but I think just because me, myself, right. I, I am somebody who has, you know, overcome these things in addiction recovery. Um, there's just another level of, you know, of growth that, that I feel I can help people achieve. Um, so, you know, something that really was a turning point for me was in mm -hmm. 2013, I was, uh, I lost my job. I was, uh, working for a company and they had like, they laid off my whole department. Mm -hmm. And at that time I just went to LinkedIn and I updated my LinkedIn profile and did some searching. And there was this personal development company that was hiring somebody for, it was like, um, business growth or something, business development, you know? And so I read it. I'm like, this company looks so cool. So I applied for the job and they responded. And in order for me, part of the interview was that, or part of to, to be, um, you know, thought of for that position, I had to actually go through the four day seminar <clears throat> and it was live in person at the time. It was called Lifebook. And it was life-changing. It was wow. incredible. And I ended up, they hired me for that role. And so um, I was in that role for like six months. And it was then basically what you do did was create a vision for your life in 12 categories of life. Mm 
And so you look at your premise, which is your beliefs around that area. You create a vision, you um, look at your why, and then you create a strategy, steps to get you there. And so then you do this in all these categories, and then you have this life book. Well, what happened was then um, they they decided not to do that role, but they trained me as a life book leader. So that was the first time that I had a certification for coaching for this life book process. And <clears throat> the long and the short of it is I, I wasn't able to really get that business off the ground. I still had kids at home and I was, um, you know, I was, I didn't have a following at that point. A lot of say chiropractors or people who were already coaches who had a following were doing that sort of thing. But for me, what it did, my life started changing. And a lot of that started becoming my reality. And what I realized that was the first time in my life that I ever gave intentional thought to creating a, a vision for my life. You know, up until that point, it was, I was always in reactionary mode. I was just whatever happened, boom. I, all right. I, I'm here now I'm here and always just responding to life rather than planning intentionally. So that then is now, you know, and then I, since then went through Jack Canfield success principles wow. training. That so is. I have that under my belt. So when I'm working with women, I have a lot of tools in my kit. You know, I use yeah. a lot of life book stuff, a lot of the success principles, um, and then I, I did nutritional coaching with a, a nutritional system that I used. And so there's a whole lot of nutrition and, and wellness in that area. And then of course, you know, fitness. So, so basically I, depending on who I'm meeting with and where they're at, we kind of go through, you know, what it is they're wanting to focus on and where yeah. I can them in bringing their quality of life to the next level. So, yeah, I mean, I was just, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm just, you have a lot in your toolkit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> to really no, and it's such a really good way to really help women, not only from your own experience, but just with the training you've had. I mean, this, the life book leadership is just yeah. a wonderful format with great pillars to kind of really help you equip other women. Um, because we have to have kind of some framework in some way. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. you know, it seems like you're able to really take that and guide them through this mind, body, spirit, yeah. next level living and feeling good about themselves and taking care of themselves, which is so powerful. Yeah. Really, really cool. Yeah. Really yeah. Cool. And I will say one, one of the, the things, the challenges for me is that, you know, I've been on this journey, you know, 35 years and yeah. there are some people who are really kind of new to this. And so it's like, just again, supporting them where they're at and it's baby steps, you know, I mean, just a two millimeter change can make all the difference just over some time. So it's just really trying to keep it simple and, and not, not do the fire hose where it's like, boom, you know, and sometimes it feels like a fire hose, but it's like, just here's a lot here, but you, we take one little piece at a time and it's about progress, not perfection. Cause there is no perfection. It's always just little tiny baby steps and celebrating your wins along the way. So um, it's a journey. And that's yeah. where I feel, I feel like I have a story of hope, you know, because no exactly. matter what, even still today, you know, we're in the holiday season right now. It's very bittersweet. Like this yeah. time of year is very challenging for me in a lot of different mm. ways. And, um, but I have so much gratitude still, you know, for the mm. wonderful 
messy, beautiful life that I have, you know, that's such a gold nugget. So just on that note, what would you say to somebody? Because I think the holidays trigger a lot of us, right? No matter where you are in your season of life, whether what kind of thing you're navigating, whether you're empty nester, you're away from your kids or you've gone through some really hard things. We've went through COVID. People have gone through these job transitions. You know, there's been loss. So yes. what would you say to kind of encourage somebody who's go- besides call you, <laughs> which I'm going to, I'm going to put all her notes and where you can connect with Katie, you guys in the show notes. Cause this is just awesome. And I love these, these interviews just light me up. Cause I love, I genuinely love hearing about other people's stories. Yes. And you, it's just, it just lights me up and it just offers hope to all of us. You know, we've all had people that aren't honest about the hard things they've been through and not being honest. We all yeah. have our hard stuff. And so what would you say in this season, in December, to give someone hope that's kind of struggling and feeling, you know, feeling that loss and feeling alone or feeling depressed? What would you say to encourage them? So, oh my gosh, there are so many things. But first of all, first of all, just be compassionate with yourself, Mm. have self-compassion and forgiveness. You know, there is no perfection. We are always doing the best that we can do. You know, if we could do better, we would do better. We just don't know. We do what we can. So I think being gentle with ourselves, have compassion, love ourselves where we're at and do things that, um, that fuel your soul. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, listen to that voice within. What do I need today? What do I need to do? And, you know, I know for myself, I can be harsh with myself. I can have high expectations. My to-do list is a mile long. I can, you know, Terry, yesterday I I went to an AA meeting and then after that I went to church and after that I was going to come back home to work and I was driving and I passed by this forest preserve and I was like, you know what? I need to go for a walk. I need to be in nature. Mm -hmm. I haven't been out in nature enough. You know, here I live in the Chicago area. It's been a little bit rainy, a little bit cold, you know, and so it's like, so I, I stopped. And then after that, I thought, you know what, I want to go. The, the, the old Navy is having a sale right now. I need some jeans and some shirts and I want to do a little Christmas shopping. That was not on my plan. It was a very spontaneous thing. So I went there and I did that. And it was like, just, I went with the day. And then in the evening I went to an FA meeting, you know, so that was a lot of spiritual fueling for me, you know, but it was like, that's what I needed, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, sometimes we just have to put the to-do list down and just trust ourselves to, to, to just be, and to just not do, you know, we're human beings, not human, but there, I think the holiday season we're human beings, not human doings. I love that. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just that, you know, so again, and, and stress, like I'm actually going to start a challenge. Uh, that's what I was working on earlier today. Um, fabulous. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's going to be good. So there's going to be just a lot of tools and techniques on how we can take care of ourselves to alleviate stress and anxiety during the season, you know, and I mean, but that's year round too, you know, it's, there's always that need, but it seems like things kind of, there's just society puts a lot of pressure at this time of year. And there's, it, it, there's so many people who I talk to who, 
have a lot of mixed emotions at this time. So I would say you're not alone, whoever you are and, 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 and reach out, reach out to somebody connect yeah. human connection is like the key and to God. I, yeah. my, one of the podcasts I did recently was connecting with God to ourselves, mm. to, to others. You know, we need to be in touch with ourselves, be in touch with God and connect with other human beings, you know, because it's just. Yeah. I really think as we were talking about this, I think the holidays trigger a lot of people, you know, it triggers a lot, you know, fractured relationships and just finances and just a lot and all our shoulds that we think we should be doing. And, and I know you're a really structured person. You get so much done in a day. And so I love it that you shared that you just listened to your inner voice and to God and just went and did something to take care of your soul. Um, I think that's a really powerful tool. Um, And I love those shares. That's beautiful. Those are great tips to kind of help everybody, but I'll definitely put that link and I'd like to attend that challenge too. So, okay. All right. I'll let you know. It's good soon because we're already into the holidays and um, yeah. Perfect. I think that'll be great. And obviously you can just hear so, so much wisdom that you have. Um, You have so much to offer. I just, this has been so much fun just to, to talk to you. And I know when we were connecting earlier too, one of the questions that I had is that, I know you took this other challenge that I took and I feel like you have a book in you at somewhere along the way. Cause you have, <laughs> you have <laughs> so much wisdom. Um, so maybe somewhere down the road, you'll do that too. Uh, yes. Well, it's interesting because I have, I have published uh, several short stories um, in it's a, it's called the 365 series. And um, one is on gratitude and actually two of the stories that are, are on my, uh, about my son. It was right after I was asked if I wanted to be a part of this book. They're like daily readings, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I published those stories and then um I started a year ago writing my book that I was uh-huh. to publish um, and I didn't, I didn't finish it because what ended up happening, it was supposed to be done quickly. And I started getting into more of a story about like my son and it became yeah. more, it wasn't a quick kind of story. So, and honestly, I just, I stopped writing and let, this past summer, I went to try and find my writing and I can't find a Terry. It like, so it's like, okay, wow. maybe God's having me like start fresh. I don't know. Yeah, it's gotta be wow. somewhere my computer, but I have searched and I can't find it. And I don't know. And I've just, when the timing is right, the book yeah. will come, you know, come. So again, it's just, you know, again, divine order. <laughs> that's wonderful. And if you want people to find your writing, we can put that in the show notes too. Cause that's just, you just have a oh. great voice. Um, oh, thank you. Okay. Really great voice. So we'll put that in the show notes too. You're, there's just so much to you, Katie. I just, I think you are an amazing coach. I really feel like you have so much to offer because you can really connect. I, it's so interesting. I think at least for me, the journey I've been on, I remember when someone told me to coach too, and I was like, no, I've been through way too much. How, how am I going to coach anybody? I don't know what I'm and she's like. Exactly. That's exactly why you need to do it. And I think as we've learned along this journey, and just as a source of encouragement that whenever we go through hard things, there's a purpose in all of it. Right. And I tell everybody that's your next purpose. Pay attention because that painful situation will help someone else. It'll help someone else move forward and have that hope and guide them towards a better life. And, you know, and people are wanting to learn from coaches now, you know, people want to get somewhere faster and learn from people that have had the tangible tools, just like you. Right. Yes. Right. I totally agree. I totally agree. You know, it's interesting because I had this calling on my heart, like I said, probably 30 years, like 
soon after I was came into recovery, I just felt like, okay, I need, I love, I love public speaking. I love sharing my story. I've just always been like that. And, and so it's been a long time. And when it finally started to, it's, it still feels like it's been so slow, but you know, it's, I, I am having the experience and I'm hoping that now that I'm kind of coming out of the dark night of the soul, my most yeah. recent one that, um, that God will really kind of give me guidance and, and direction as to, you know, putting people on my path who I can, who I can love and serve. Cause I, I do believe that's my calling is to love and serve mm -hmm. others and, you know, just use my experience, strength and hope and, in, in helping other people to, you know, to live their best life. So, and to spiral up. And to forever spiral up. That's right. Yes. And I can feel that. I can feel that in you. And I, I think what I love so much is that you're just really encouraging. And I think you give people guidance. And but there's this wonderful blend of guidance and love and support and encouragement and grace all all mixed in, which I think is really lovely. Um, I can Thank feel you. that with you. And I think that's what we all need, right? I mean, we don't just need hard and fast rules. Yeah. We just need someone that can come in help us see the best parts of ourselves that we don't always see. Yes. Right. Yeah. And have us help us have that next level living, which I, I think you do very, very, very well. Thank um, you so much. You're welcome. Oh, this has just been great. Is there anything that I have missed that we haven't talked about that you would like our listeners to know? Um, is there anything else that you would like to, to share that I've missed? Oh my gosh. I don't, I think we've covered so much, you know, and there's nothing really that comes to mind. Like I said, my story is very long and there are so many different aspects of it, but, you know, generally speaking, um, I, I'm just, I'm grateful for the gift of life. I'm grateful mm. for the gift of sobriety. I have two grand boys, they're oh, five and seven, wonderful. and they just, they are like the light of my life, you know, mm. like during this tough times, it's like, I get to become childlike with them, you know, because oh. I get to run and play and go to the, and that's one of the things that I love about being a healthy, you know, being healthy, vibrant and fit that I can I can't even keep up with them with the running, but I do get to run with them and play with them. And, and it's just, it's so wonderful to have that play in our life too, because it's right. not all serious, you know, it's right. like we have to allow ourselves to, to be creative and to play and to just, you know, become childlike because being adult, like all the time is, is hard. It kind of sucks sometimes, oh. honestly. <laughs> You know, and I was thinking, and this is the beauty of this holiday time to see the holidays, to see Christmas, you know, through their eyes, however that is just the magic of it all. You know, yeah. there's yeah. such a childlike part of me too, that I, you know, I love all the fun movies, Polar Express, all these don't ever want to stop believing, you know, right. believing in God, believing in the magic of Christmas. I think just, there's just such a beautiful part of this holiday time, as hard as it can be for me, the older I get, I realize there's it's not just about the gifts under the tree, right? It's the gift of, like you said, the gift of life and the gift of yes. magic moments, the gift of play, you know, the gift of, yes. of healthy relationships, the gift, you know, being in such amazing shape where we have the energy. So all those things, that's beautiful. You know, and I just thought of something that, that I, I need to say, because I, I sent it to you, um, and I, and I don't think you said it in my introduction because I really, no, no, because you know, you didn't see it probably. And I meant to tell you that I, it was just such a minor addition that I put in, in my bio and it was yeah. about that 
all of this, who I am today is all grounded in faith. You know, it, this is not my doing. I, I, I always say, God, make me a channel of your peace. I, I like to think of myself as a vessel and I, I want to be used by God to help transform lives. It's not me doing it. It's me showing up and letting God touch people through me. And so I really like, I don't ever want to like take the credit. Yes. You know, I'm the one who shows up and puts one foot in front of the other. And, you know, I have to leave the results to God, but, but really it's, it's kind of like this surrender and, and this letting go and, and allowing God's power to, to do the change, you know? So I put in the footwork, but really who I am is, is not, it's, I, there's, you know, I don't want to say there's our ego self. And then there's our, our spiritual self, our God self, you know, our higher self. And, you know, I really, I think it's important to give God credit where, where it's due. And so I, I didn't do any of this on my own, you know, and God works through other people. And that's honestly, Terry, that's why the connection is so important. You know, I talk about, um, you know, people in recovery, addiction is a disease of isolation. I like to think, yeah, great nugget you know, it, it separates us and we are never separated because it's an illusion of separation because we're all connected and we're all one in God, but it's like this, this, what happens is when we're escaping, whether it's, you know, alcohol, drugs, food, sex, spending work, whatever it is, and we're not connected We're you know, it's when we put down those substances or whatever that addictive behavior is, and we come together in unity, it's in community that God can work through each other and that oneness takes place and the healing happens. You know, that's why community is so essential. Like when I talk about, you know, even like the women who I work with, lifestyle changes, any kind of change is hard to do alone. You know, it's like, when you are where two or more are gathered, God is there. And that's when, you know, the miracle, the magical that you were just talking about. Yeah. It's place, you know. So it's it's really incredible. So yeah. That's beautiful. I'm so glad it must have been intentional that I didn't read that because your description, the way you're describing it, is so much more powerful than just a sentence or a few words I would have said. <laughs> okay. So that's just beautiful. Cause I was even thinking, even me back in when I had my addiction, I was bulimic and I'm thinking you know, those things are kept, you're just right there. They isolate you. There's a darkness of the soul that keeps you isolated and it you're doing it in secret. Right. So that's just super powerful. What you said, it's so powerful. And I hope that sheds some light on someone that's feeling alone or isolated or dealing with any kind of addiction and addiction is addiction is addiction. Yeah. Right? And everybody's got something. That's everybody's got something. Everybody's got something. Yeah. So. And those that don't admit it are lying. <laughs> That's what I say. Because we or do. they don't know it yet. Or they or don't know. They're blind to it. Denial is Fair. you know what I mean? Like Fair. Yep. Yeah. That's a better way to say it than, than yeah. what I just said. That's a it's much okay. better way. But she that's what I could say. Eventually, you know, it's like the our eyes are open to it. And yeah, you know, I always say, you know, getting sick was not our fault, but getting mm. well is our responsibility once we become aware. Another mic drop. That's beautiful. Really yeah. great. Because, you know, we, we, we grew up in our family of origins. Our parents yeah. do the best that they can do, but our society and our, you know, the dynamics around us, they, we, we 
take on these coping skills and mechanisms that help us to navigate life when we're young, but at some point they no longer serve us well, you know, then, and once that happens, then we got to do something about it. Once we know that, oh boy, this once, you know, there's a flip side of the coin, you know, what once was that becomes a deficit, you know, it, it, helped us in surviving our, our situation, but then we get beyond that. And then it's like, we become aware, awareness first step, you know, but once you have that awareness, then it's the taking the action. And Mm -hmm. when I, and what I always say to people is, and when you can't do it yourself, that's when you go to God. Okay. Mm -hmm. awareness. I can't do it, but can you help me to take the next step or to become willing to become willing to take the next step, you know? So Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. And just before we close, it makes me think that during COVID, I mean, a lot happened, especially, you know, with alcohol, it's such a, I mean, there's a lot out there now about a lot of women that even, you know, the drinking during COVID became such a big thing. It was, it's an acceptable thing socially in many ways. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of people that really hurt through COVID wasn't just a, a virus a pandemic. It was a virus in many other ways. It brought a lot of broken things that were already kind of fractured to the surface. Yes. Right. Yes, definitely. And I think, I think people have, are still kind of recovering from that and they need help and support and they need you. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, so, you know? so yes, so true. I mean, it's just, and even the children, you know what yes. I mean? I, I have, yes. wow. I have friends who work with children and they're the anxiety and the depression in children and the the suicide rates. I mean, everything, it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. But again, that's where, you know, um, that's where I feel like, you know, I, I can't, I have to show up. I I feel like we have this little light within us and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of darkness in this world right now. Yeah. It's like once we have this glowing light, we got to step out, let it shine. And, and it's, you know, I think of sometimes that are like Christmas service, like the, the, all the lights will be off and you light a candle and then you spread it and you spread it. And the whole church then is lit up by mm-hmm. candlelight, you know? And I just think as each one of us has that, we all have that light within, mm-hmm. it just might be blanketed right now with some heavy stuff, but it's like, if I can help you ignite your life light and let it shine. And then you do that to the next person and mm-hmm. to the next, we just keep sharing it, you know? things will brighten up. So yeah, I love that. That's a beautiful way to end and kind of pay it forward too. So yeah, yeah. that's really beautiful. Um, so in closing, I am going to put all, all your um, everywhere, everybody can meet you in the show notes. Okay. Um, and then as we were talking earlier too, if someone wants to meet with you, we kind of talked about a little offer. Would you like to share kind of what they can do uh, to connect with you. If they mention Hello Redlow, they heard you on the podcast, kind of share what you offer, will you, how you, how they can connect with you and get, and get some coaching. Sure. So uh, right now, and it will be in, in the show notes, but I have on Facebook, I have a group. It's called Next Level Living with Coach Katie. And there's a link to that. So anybody can feel free to jump onto that, you know, click that link and, and, uh, ask to be, it's a private group, but you know, I'll, you just answer some questions and then I'll let you in there. And, uh, I have an email address, which is next level living 444 at gmail.com. And, uh, people who are listening to this show, if they are interested in a 
introductory uh, vibrant living uh, breakthrough session. Um, I would be happy to do that. It's about a 20 minute to 30 minute uh, call where, you know, we'll just kind of talk about where you're at and I can give you some little mini steps <clears throat> in terms of, you know, helping you to navigate maybe where you might go next. Um, and so I don't know how many, how many of those offerings I can make at this point, but as long as my schedule allows, I'm happy to, to make that offer. So, um, I guess they can just mention, um, your name or hello, red, hello, red hello. Yeah. whatever, however. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I do have, um, my, my podcast is only on Spotify right now. It's new. We just started it over the summer. And what I want to do is find out how to get that to my YouTube channel. I just, I'm not real techie and I want to be able to upload those to, to my YouTube channel, which doesn't have anything right now. So, um, and I don't think I gave you that, but but I, I'll give you, um, I think my YouTube channel is at next level or no, no, at um, forever spiraling up. That's what it's oh, at. Beautiful. I okay. can add that to your, to the yeah. thing. I'll give you some updated um, notes. Um, yeah. So I think that's enough. People can find me on social media. And uh, so thank you. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. You've dropped some really fabulous gold nuggets. I think you've given people hope and encouragement and they get to see who you are as a coach, which is amazing. So thank you, Terry. Thank you. This has been beautiful. And so everyone, I'll just put all this in the show notes. Thank you again. Merry Christmas. Thank you for being here. This is a gift. It's going to be a gift to everyone, all the thank women that you. listen in. And, you know, we just keep stepping forward one step at a time and lifting yes. each other up and encouraging each other to live our best life. And what do you, for next level living? That's what I love that. Yes. Yes. Yes, next level living. And I what I always say my tagline for years has been I'm on a journey of living my best life and helping others to do the same. You know, so yeah. There you go. We'll end on that note. Thank you. Merry so Christmas much for having me. Merry Christmas to you too.